Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz with me. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and 247sports.com. Having lots of pre-season coverage uh, just in the past couple days. We, I mean, I, we published a podcast yesterday. You can listen to that. Some of our takeaways from fall camp along with uh, response to Harbaugh's first press conference of the uh, game week season. You know, I've done stories on the freshmen. I've done stories on the rising players who made whose stock improved the most in fall camp. Uh, Steve's been doing some great stuff. By the way, if you if you want to hear, if you like what you hear, and you you say, well, I wish I, I wish I had a little bit more info about uh, this player or this recruit or uh, this thing that Michigan's trying. Steve's been doing a great job all month getting some of the inside scoop for our subscribers. So feel free to subscribe. Uh, certainly. A lot of people that listen do. Uh, so this episode's going to be a prediction special. This has been our most listened to podcast each of the last two years, 2017 and 2018. So we're going to bring it back in 2019. We're going to do 40 predictions. It's going to be lightning round. We're going to try to elaborate a little bit here and there on, on some of the players that we think, particularly the ones about Michigan. So we do some national predictions. I don't think we need to offer too much insight with those. Uh, but let's start with the team stuff, and let's go. Let's do some category leaders. Leading rusher this season, I say Zach Charbonnet. I think his time is coming. I think he has the long speed for the big plays that Michigan's looking for. I think he he's able to. Well, t- this technically won't help him, but I think his ability to catch passes coming out of the backfield will help keep him on the field for more. I think he's built for a lot of carries. I think he's Michigan's leading rusher. Steve, what say you? Oh, man. That's a tough one to start, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, we've I mean, we've hyped him up at this much at this point. I think you just kind of have to ride with it and say that he's going to lead the team in rushing. Uh, he's just – he's different. It's kind of what we've been told consistently for a while. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know how many yards. I, I had 600 as, like, the baseline. But I suspect if he's their leading rusher, he'll have a little bit more than that. But I agree. Mm-hmm. As long as he's 100% healthy, which there's no reason to believe he's not, you know, he's he is. He's different. Uh, he's very fast, and he's very big. Michigan hasn't had a back like this in a while, at least from this pure physical standpoint, in my opinion. So uh, I'll, I'll say – I guess I'll go with Charbonnet. I just – I wouldn't be surprised if it's Turner. Uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see. But I'll, I'll, I'll agree yeah. with you, though. I'll yeah. say Charbonnet. Okay. Yeah, for those wondering why True Wilson doesn't get the nod, for me, he doesn't have the long speed. He wasn't used in high-leverage carry situations last year. It was mostly toward the tail end of blowouts or against teams that weren't especially strong. Nothing against him. He's a great blocker. I'm sure Michigan is really glad that they have him on the team. But I think in their ideal situation, Charbonnet and Turner are getting the bulk of the pick up some yardage kind of carries this season. Leading receiver is probably tougher than leading rusher because it really is a shot in the dark. I'm going to go, because because of his big, big playability and because he has some experience and some chemistry with Shea Patterson from last year, I'm going to go Nico Collins. Uh, he is the one of the big three with the least health issues. I don't know that Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to be limited. I haven't heard that he is. Uh, you know, same with Tariq Black, but they both they both were 
have been kind of dinged up so far in 2019 and, and a little bit in 2018 as well. I'm going to go Nico Collins, another candidate, of course, probably the player whose stock improved the most this fall is Ronnie Bell. Uh, Mike Sainristil was the, I think I ranked him the top freshman coming out of fall camp. So it's kind of a stacked list. There's five players. I just, I think this is a year where Collins really, he doesn't have a ton more than anybody else, but I think he just really takes over because I, there, every single situation, you know, short yardage, end zone, red zone, uh, big play, stretch it out, air things out. Every situation, he's one of the top two candidates to go to. His wingspan is 83 inches. He's got a catch radius like crazy. He's my pick. Steve? Yeah, I mean, was told three different times that Collins has been the best player in Michigan's fall camp this year. I think he's gonna have a. I think he's gonna have a big year. Uh, I, I'm gonna. I kind of have to go with him for that reason. You know, just because we've heard so many good things about him, and and really, yeah, he built a lot of momentum going into last off season. Also, a guy that's made plays in Michigan's bigger games too. Uh, you know, I thought he was Michigan's best player against Ohio State. And he also what caught the first touchdown pass against Michigan State in years last year for them. Hmm. So I think he's a guy that's not afraid of the big moment too, which will matter as the season wears on. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Collins. I think it could be people I think Peoples Jones is the other obvious pick that, that could do it. Um but I'm gonna go with Nico. I, I just like I said, heard too many good things about what he's done in fall camp to kind of not pick him right now. I'd I'd be I'd be picking against what I know uh, if I pick somebody else at this point. Sure, yeah. Uh, I was going to do leading tackler. I'm kind of tempted to do leading tackles for loss. Let's let's do that because tackles, it's just kind of either the linebacker or the safety that plays the most. Uh, leading in tackles for loss, who takes the team lead this year? I think... You know, and maybe this is a cop out because he's done it before, but I think it's going to be Khalil Hudson. I think, I think that you know he's not he's not going to necessarily be in the backfield as much as Aiden Hutchinson or Mike Dana or Quiddy Pay or the defensive tackles, but I think his ability. I think he's going to take a lot of the Devin Bush plays where he's beating the angle on a running back of of a team like Middle Tennessee. You know, he'll be able to beat the angle of their running back, and and I think that's going to lead to a lot of. Devin Bush type tackles for loss. I think he's hungry. Sounds like he's motivated. I think him being voted captain is not irrelevant to his work ethic this offseason. Campanelli said he was the hardest practicer that they have. Uh, he's he's my choice for leading tackles for loss. Steve? Yeah, you should let me do one of these first so that I don't sound like I'm following okay, you all right. on all these. Because <laughs> I think Hudson's kind of the natural choice. I mean, he had a yeah. season's worth of tackles for loss in one game two years ago against Minnesota. So... You know, he's, he knows how to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. You know, and again, we talked a lot about that he's due for a rebound season. Not due, because it's not like he's played eight years. Uh, he's he's bound to have a rebound year after after what I think many would say was a little bit of a tough 2018. Kind of another guy, though. One of really, in my opinion, one of the only real guys who really showed up in the exhibition game against Florida. Um, You know, had a really good showing in that game. You know, and I think that was a lot of frustration taken out after what he viewed as a tough season for himself so mm-hmm. uh i'm gonna yeah you kind of have to go with hudson i don't know who i really i don't almost don't know who else you'd go with that's part of at it. that yeah. spot for for most tackles for maybe uh 
maybe jo- I mean I think it'd be a backer, not a lineman, right? So, okay. um, you know, I'd, it'd either be Ross or or Hudson, but I I, just, I think it's Hudson. Okay. Yeah, I, I agreed. Okay, you get to answer this the next couple first. Most total touchdowns this season. So you can count returns. You can count defensive touchdowns. You can count rushing, receiving. You don't get to count passing because uh, obviously that would be Shea Patterson. But most total touchdowns this season. Who you picking? Man, um, most total touchdowns. Peoples Jones, because I do think I think uh, I think he takes a couple punts to the house this year so hmm. i'm gonna just go i'm gonna go with him i think he scores the most touchdowns i mean yeah, yeah no i'm gonna stick with him i think i'm gonna go collins you know i i don't know we don't people's jones is, we don't think it's gonna choice. we don't think it's gonna be a back that's kind of why i think you almost have to go receiver right now if preseason wise hmm. like there's really no back unless they you know the old fantasy deal where they they put in the same guy at the goal line who like kind of st- <laughs> like steals a bunch of touchdowns, you know, which is always a possibility. Yeah, Hill. Yeah. yeah, you know, so it could be a deal like that. But I, I almost think you have to choose a receiver just the way the offense seems to be going, and well, it's where their best players are on offense. So, right. Yeah. Well, and and Collins and Peoples Jones both had a lot of touchdowns last year. I think Peoples Jones had nine. You are right that Karan Higdon had eleven. I think it's going to be Collins. Peoples Jones is intriguing because I think he can turn what I would call non-touchdown plays into touchdown plays, both as the returner and as a receiver. But I'm going to go Collins. I think he really takes over that uh, red zone. You know where that where are they trying to go? I think they should have used him more in the red zone. But I think you saw against Florida and Ohio State and a little bit of Michigan State too. That is who they went for in the red zone. He became kind of their red zone solution. They never, they never solved all of their problems on offense, but but that was something that kind of emerged later on in the season. Uh, next one, you're going to answer first. Breakout offensive player. So maybe a player, not a freshman, not a, a not a star, so to speak, but someone that's that maybe is entering the season with expectations at like a three or a four. And they bring it up to a seven, eight, or higher. It's it stinks because I don't really feel like I can choose Ronnie Bell anymore, uh, just because Harbaugh hyped him up so much during the presser that I don't know if it, is he still considered a breakout guy. Because I mean, I had Ronnie Bell picked as my breakout before fall camp started, and as the team breakout. So I want to go with him, um, but if I don't go with him, I'll go with Nick Eubanks at tight end. Averaged almost 20 yards a grab last year. He only made eight catches, but all of them seem to be like significant plays. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, so I think he's a guy who really just, you know, we talk a lot. Talk The reason that I picked Bell as a breakout was because of all the attention that's going to be given to talk about Collins and Peoples-Jones. I think Eubanks is another guy who's going to benefit in that regard. You know, a guy who might find himself in some nice matchups down the field. And can make some plays. You know, he's not your standard tight end as far as, you know, he's 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 definitely a guy I think who's whose biggest asset is in the passing game. And so I think, you know, with all the attention paid to some of those other guys, I think like Bell, I think Eubanks is a guy who could really, really benefit and take advantage of some uh some nice matchups against defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Bell. You know, you kind of mentioned it. Uh he's gotten a lot of praise this fall, I think. 
Last year was kind of mop up duty and end arounds, but I think I think he's got a he's got a niche kind of play, and he's very much what Gaddis is looking for at receiver. You know, if you go look at some of the top receivers in Gaddis's system, you know they're not they're not little guys, but but they're not necessarily the Collins type who are six four, two hundred twenty pounds or two hundred fifteen pounds. You know, it's a lot of guys who just have that burst and who can who can go from zero to sixty in you know two seconds or whatever. And so so I'm going to go with him. I think they find a find a lot of roles for him. Flipping to the other side of the ball, breakout defensive player. Who you got? Well, because he hasn't officially broken out yet, I have to, I have to go with Aiden Hutchinson again. Another guy, I, I think I picked him back in the spring as the breakout guy. I've heard mm-hmm. nothing but really good things about his development. I know, I think about a month ago, or well, right about when fall camp started. You know, he was the other guy mentioned when I asked. You know, who's been the best player at fall camp? He got one mention. He was the only one not to mention uh, Nico Collins, and one guy. I talked to said one guy. It's kind of a funny way to say it. Uh, one person I talked to said he had been he's even faster and stronger than he was during spring ball. And you know, again, we talked before is like I don't know if the Tom Brady workout thing like really did like make a difference for him or or help him out or what. But you know, he's causing some havoc. You know, against Michigan's offensive line in fall camp. So you know, that's he's he's one of the biggest reasons why I don't think the drop off on the edge is going to be as big as fans are anticipating. I think he's a guy who mm-hmm. has the looks of a guy that could be a real problem, real disruptor around the edge. Yeah, sure. Let's do these ones together. Uh team MVP on offense and defense. I can go first. I think it's going to be Shea Patterson. I think this offense uh fits him too much like a glove for him not to be the MVP. Plus, he was technically the MVP of the offense last year. On defense, another quarterback type situation. I'm gonna go Khalid Hudson. I, I I think I'm I think I'm bought in on him having a bounce back season. You know, I, I if you look back at last season, he did a lot of what he was assigned to do. I think the suspension, double suspension for targeting. He's talked about how it kind of impacted how he tackled people and. I don't think he was fully adjusted to it yet. It's kind of a tough thing to have to change mid-season. And then and then I also think Devin Bush just was assigned to do a lot of the plays that Khalid could do. So I'm going to go with him. A couple candidates for – wait, nope. I forgot to say my breakout defensive player. I'm going to go with Hutchinson as well. Uh, he, he just keep, keeps getting talked about like he's already a star. You know, and they're, they're not even like saying like, oh, he's on the rise. You know, it's – Aiden Hutchinson's part of our core group. I think I think Sean Nua said it best when he said, you know, if everyone could be like Aiden and Quiddy and Carlo, I'd be in good shape. And I was like, oh, okay. So you have three players that you're you're feeling really good about. Uh, but Vince Gray, Mike Dana, and Brad Hawkins are, are candidates for breakout defensive player. Back to MVP. I think it's going to be Shea. Fits him too well. On defense, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Kalik. I think this is his year. It's, Interesting hearing him talk. He's a very intense player and person. You know, people are saying, you know, laying the groundwork for the future. He's like, I'm not thinking about next year. <laughs> this is this is the year that I'm thinking about. This is all I just want to, you know, be remembered as someone who wants to put everything on the line every single time. Uh, you know, when someone has that mentality and they have the skill that he has, usually they tend to have success. Whether that's All-American, that might be a little early to say that. 
but this is a defense that's designed for him to be successful, and everything's coming up Kalik right now. You know, as far as, uh, you know, this defense is kind of his defense. This defense goes as far as he goes. So those are my MVPs. Steve, how about your picks for MVPs? Yeah, I'm going to go with Patterson on offense. I mean, his season last year was already one of the more efficient seasons the Michigan quarterback has had, and I, I agree. I think this offense is much more tailor-made to his abilities. You know, I also think, you know, he. I think, I think a no-huddle style deal it will get him into more of a rhythm. And I do think he's, mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that is a very, and there are a lot of quarterbacks like this. And I think we talked about it before is like, remind me a little bit of like a Baker Mayfield type as far as yeah, get him some good, get him some nice, easy throws to begin the game, get him in the rhythm. And then I think he's the type of guy that that's where he's best suited to maybe pick defenses apart. And, and so you kind of get him into that rhythm. I think that's going to be really big for him defensively. I'm going with Metellus. You know, I think he kind of brings that dirty bird, the old Flanagan duo, uh, trio with Gill and Bush. Like those guys were, they they brought a certain mentality to their def- respective hmm. defense, their defensive unit in high school. I think that's really what Bush brought last year as well. I think Metellus is kind of the you know, and Gill too, but Metellus is I think we would agree has had a more productive career so far. Uh, is a guy yeah. that I think. You know, they're going to, he, whoever he's going to have on his other side, you know, last year he had the vet in Tyree Kinnell. You know, and this year he's going to be bringing a young in along, no matter who it is, at least somebody who's not experienced. So I think the role he plays will be really significant in how that defensive backfield fares. You know, he's kind of the quarterback back there. There'll be two new starters, no matter what. Even if Thomas was healthy, he'd still be a new starter back there. So, you know, I think that's going to be important. So I think he's a guy that is is going to maybe end up being the most important player in the defense. I think he kind of comes through as far as that goes and, and, and does his job. Yep. Next one, top freshman on offense and defense. These are probably pretty obvious. I don't have too much more to say. I think it's going to be Zach Charbonnet on offense. On defense, probably have to say Daxton Hill. I don't know. The only other candidates I, I can think of that are really going to play enough to warrant top freshmen would be Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton. And I just, maybe maybe I'm just buying the the recruiting hype, but I, I think Daxton's 4-3-0 laser-timed 40-yard dash, that's hard to keep off the field. And you throw in the 43-inch vertical leap, it's like, you know, yeah, they've got safeties that, that the, you know, Brad Hawkins, Jameric Woods, I just feel like it's kind of a when, when Daxton Hill starts making plays on defense. Um, so maybe that's a cop out picking the highest rated players on both sides of the ball, but I think it's going to be Charbonnet and Hill. Uh, I'll go with Charbonnet as well, but on defense, I'm I'm going to go with Chris Hinton. I think I think he's the real deal. I think he. Ah, uh, yes, the other five star. <laughs> well, I know, but you know that it's not easy to make an instant impact in the middle up front. But I do think that he's going to mm-hmm. he's going to be the type of guy, not maybe immediately, but I think when we get to October and November, I think you're going to start to see him making some plays and, and being a guy for them. So I'm going to go I'm going to go with him. I mean, I think the same would be said with Hill, though, as far as it might not be immediately, you know, but once we get into the heart of conference season, I think you'll see those guys step up more and more. I'm just going to go with Hinton. I just think there's a bigger need there. Plus, we hear a lot of great things about brad hawkins too you know and hill might have more of a battle on his hands to claim that job faster than hinton who i think is needed 
right away, at least from a rotation standpoint, right? So, you know, I think that that that's part of it. Both guys, I think, are going to make a big impact, but I'm, I'm going to go with Hinton and then Charbonnet on offense. Okay. Yeah, a couple of candidates for offense that we don't mean to necessarily gloss over. Eric All sounds like he's going to play a lot, and it sounds like Mike Sainer still is going to play a lot. Now, there's a distinction because he did say, Jim Harbaugh did say Cornelius Johnson and Giles Jackson will play. But he said for them, they're going to start at special teams and then work their way in as receiver. He said St. still is going to play a lot as a receiver right away. So I think that means that he's just a, just a little bit ahead, which makes sense. He was the early enrollee, uh, obviously brought a lot of spring buzz. So those are a couple candidates. I just think Charbonnet is going to be more integral to the offense, whereas St. still is kind of a, well, I think you said it in the last podcast, kind of a gravy guy, you know, the gravy on top. Uh, he's another element that they have. Anyway... Uh, this one might have to – I have my list ready, but how many first-team All-Big Ten players does Michigan have this year, and who are they? Right now, if I were making my team, and I haven't necessarily poured over every single position in, in the Big Ten, but I think I think Shea Patterson would be my choice. I, I could absolutely see Justin Fields passing him or, or Aging Martinez, two guys who will, who will put up those dual-threat numbers that sometimes – um, well, they, they they look more impressive, you know. Whether whether or not Nebraska is better than Michigan, discussion for <laughs> another time. I I have my stance, um, but I think Shea Patterson gets it. I think Ben Bredesen gets it. He's a senior. Everyone who's voting knows who he is already. He was second team last year. Uh, for the same reason, offensive line. It's just hard to it's hard to look at the numbers and say, yeah, he's going to be this or he's going to be that. So for the same reason, I think John Runyon Jr. gets the nod. As long as, in my opinion, as long as he starts all 12 games and Michigan is one of the better teams in the Big Ten, top two or three teams, I think he gets the nod there. I think a wide receiver, I'm going to go with Nico Collins. I think he, you know, I think if he gets above 800 yards, I don't know if he will, but if he does, he was at six over 600 last year. Easy to see where 200 more yards could happen this year. But if he gets over that, I think it'd be hard for for people to deny him getting it and then I have just the 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 third year starters I've got Glee Hudson Lavert Hill and Josh Metellus all getting the nod worth noting Hudson and Hill have already been first team Metellus has already been second team so you know if you're thinking about voters and who they're looking at I think all three already have the advantage coming in as they're pretty good and so someone's going to have to take the spot away from them and I also think that they're going to have good seasons. And so I, I've got seven first-team All-Big Ten players. I think there's like 24 total spots. Um, I actually am not – I'm predicting Drew Christman gets it over Will Hart. Uh, maybe I'm wrong there. I <laughs> uh, don't think they have a first-team All-Big Ten kicker. Haven't really thought too much about return. Steve, any any spots I'm missing there or anyone you would, you would add or take away? I don't really think so. I mean, if if Hutchinson has the, the the thing is is like Hutchinson probably will play at close to an all conference level in my opinion, but the Big Ten on on the edge is like it's gotta more be the loaded spot than, to do it. Yeah. yeah, with AJ Epinesa and what Willikus and Chase Young there. I mean, it's it's going to be almost impossible for really anybody else to to enter mm-hmm. that conversation. So no, I think otherwise. I think you're you're pretty spot on where we're at. All right, next one, Michigan's biggest strength and biggest weakness. So we're predicting. We're not saying right now, but maybe 
if we're looking back at the season in three months, what was Michigan's biggest strength and biggest weakness? I think the biggest strength is the offensive line. I think that they are just going to be able to create a lot of time. I don't think that there's going to be a game where uh, you just mentioned some of the edge rushers that, that they're facing, but I don't think there's going to be a game this season where anyone's you know, pulling their hair out about the offensive line. It happened three times last year. All three games were losses. I think it gets fixed this year. I, I do. That's my prediction. Uh, you know, Between Warner, between the returning starters, between the NFL talent on the inside, and and some ascending players on the uh, a tackle, I think that's Michigan's biggest strength, biggest weakness. I know they they have a lot of time to figure it out. I I am just not not totally sold on the pass rush just yet. I know I know you've made your spiel. I'm just not totally sold. I I think, um, you know I don't think it was actually a strength of the team last year. As weird as that sounds, with Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary. They didn't get a lot of sacks. They didn't get a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, particularly ones on with solid offensive lines like Ohio State, um, you know Notre Dame. I felt like they could have had a better pass rush. Florida, they did all right. They did all right, but it was it probably could have been better. Uh, one other weakness I, I think could be worth keeping in mind is the secondary. We mentioned how thin it is, but Steve, you're looking if you're looking in your crystal ball at what people are saying in December, biggest strength and biggest weakness for the Wolverines. Strength. I I do. I think it's, I think it's the quarterback room. I think, you know, it's tough between quarterback and offensive line, which is if you're Michigan, that's the first time you could say that in forever. I think, Uh, I think that's the team's, those are the team's biggest strengths. It's kind of hard to choose which one is more, but I think that they're very, very strong in both areas, I think that's going to benefit the transition into this offense more than anything. I think you have a great option throwing the ball. You have guys that can pass, protect, can run, can run block as well with experience and talent too. I mean, it's not just experience here. I mean, a lot of these guys are very, very talented. will play in the pros. So I think that's the biggest strength, biggest weakness. I think it's, it's almost what you said. I think it's just, I'm looking more at the interior still. I just think the interior of the defensive line, I think is, I think it's definitely their biggest question mark. I, I think Harbaugh said that too. Yeah, there's too yeah. many guys. Like again, and that's you know we've heard a lot of good things about Carlo Kemp, who I think is ultimately really you look at it, you think about it, is going to be one of their more important players, especially when you consider that it does seem like that they've put a good amount of responsibility on his shoulders to kind of take that next step on the interior. So, you know, but otherwise. You have Michael Dwumfor, who is he 100%. You know, I mean, it, he, they're going to have to manage him, I think, properly throughout the first part of the season. Donovan Jeter is a guy that we're waiting on. We've heard a lot of good things about his emergence as well. You know, but once you get past that, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting. That's why I said you talk about Mozzie Smith, Chris Hinton. You know, I think they're they're they need to get acclimated quicker than guys normally would in those positions. So yep. I'm interested yep. to see if Michigan goes with like a 3-4 more often. You know, it mixes it up a little bit so that, you know, you don't have Dwum 4 and, and Jeter and Kemp taking a ton of snaps, you know, and, and tiring out earlier in the season because I just – the depth isn't what isn't what it was last year. Now, I think the talent, pure talent, may be better. But mm-hmm. you don't have, you know, that was one thing between Marshall and Monet, you know, those guys, you know, added some, some solid depth 
to the table. I don't really think they have it there in the interior this year. So I think that'd probably be their biggest weakness. Yep. Yep. I think, yes. When I say pass rush, I am trying to talk broadly. But yes, I've written about the interior pass rush. I think it's, you know, it's it's a big season for Kemp. It really is. I mean, because Dwan Four, don't know what you're going to get from him health wise. It went healthy. He's quite good. I think Hinton is the is the better of the two freshmen for pass rushing, but but we shall see. Um, last couple ones for team specific. Over under forty points per game for Michigan this season. Last year, as much griping as there was about the offense, they actually were twenty first nationally with thirty five point one points per game. Do they have four point nine points per game on the docket this season? Uh, I'm going to say over. Steve, I agree. I think they go over as well. Yeah. Uh, for those wondering, only 12 teams scored 40 points per game last season. However, it is a lot of the usual suspects of Power Five teams that can just obliterate uh, some of these small, you know, not smaller teams. Some of these uh, group of five teams or lower lower Power Five teams. On the other side, over under 20 points allowed per game for Michigan's defense last year. They ranked 16th and they allowed 19.1. So the defense does seem to potentially maybe not be quite as dominant as in years past, but at the same time, they probably aren't allowing 62 points to Ohio State, despite what the what anonymous Twitter folks like to say. Um, you know, they probably aren't allowing 45 to a bowl team. Maybe maybe that's incorrect, uh, but 20 points allowed per game. I think I'm actually going to say over. I want to see how how some of the, how that front seven looks. I want to see, well, really what everyone but the three returning multi-year starters look. Uh, I want to see it with my own eyes before I think it's going to be an A-plus defense. I think it'll still be a good defense that shuts teams down, but 20 points per game in today's college football, that's a pretty low number. Steve, you think they get it? Uh, I do think they're slightly over as well. I think there might be some growing pains maybe early on in the conference season as they, as some of these younger mm-hmm. guys get acclimated. So, yeah, I think I'll go slightly over. Like you said though, that's nothing to hang your hat or you know, hang your head about though. Um, yeah. you know, last year's number was really skewed though too, right? I mean, we just talked about two games that pretty much ruined yeah. that number. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think it'd be tough. It's about as close to a push as I think we're going to get. I think it'll be somewhere right around 20. Yep. All right, let's go. Let's do game-by-game predictions for Michigan first, and then we can just close up with the lightning round of the national stuff. Uh, Let's do results and margin of victory if you have one. Some of these games, you don't really need to have one, but maybe some of the closer ones, it might be interesting. Michigan versus Middle Tennessee. I've got them winning by... Let's say 31 points off the top of my head. Michigan beats Middle Tennessee by 31. Steve? I'm, I'm picking Michigan, and I think that they will win by a lot. Okay, good number. <laughs> Michigan versus Army. Michigan fans are somewhat panicking about this game. I'm going to add a little bit of analysis to some of these ones. But Sean Nua coached at Navy. I think he knows how to coach against Army's offense decently well. Don Brown said in August he's thinking about it every single day. They have faced a a service academy team in the last two years. They played Air Force. You know, I don't think this is Oklahoma. You know, they they have they had all fall camp. Uh, they only had one game against 
a team that we expect them to win by a lot over in between. I think I think this is a game Michigan actually gets. I'm going to go Michigan by 13 points. I think Michigan – I think this is one of those games where I think people worry about it more than what actually happens. I think Michigan wins this yeah. game pretty comfortably. I'm not that concerned that Michigan's going to lose at home to Army. I think people – it's it's – if – if Army had won every other game on their schedule last year and gotten blown out by Oklahoma, we would not be having this conversation. It is that's true. It is that is it true. is only because of the game against Oklahoma that this is even being talked about. I know they bring a lot of guys back, you know, and I know that again, that's a lot of experience and that stuff matters. But I just do not see them going into Ann Arbor and and winning that game. I, I just I don't. So, yeah. Not with how seriously Michigan's taking it. Think, For what think it's about worth, Army. Think about how deficient Oklahoma was off or defensively. You know, I mean, it's. I just yeah. don't see Michigan. The coordinator got fired two weeks later. Right. I just don't see Michigan yeah. yielding that much on the defensive side of the ball to make this a, you know, a big game. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so. You know, Duke clobbered Army. Army also did clobber Houston, but I that was in a bowl game. I don't know how much we're going to count that, uh, especially with the coach on his way out. Things like that. Uh, Michigan at Wisconsin. Both teams have a bye week before. Michigan has not won at Wisconsin since 2001. That is only four losses there since they haven't played every single year. But I do think Michigan wins this one. Wisconsin, I think you know, last year was supposed to be their year. That was when they had all the juniors and seniors on offense. Uh, you know, the defense is kind of it's still in transition. But Wisconsin went eight and five last year. You know, they weren't. I know that there's something to be said for falling apart when you lose that second game and you're out of the playoffs, but I think this is a game Wisconsin. I think I think Michigan wins. You know, I think Wisconsin's still replacing their quarterback, four starting offensive linemen. You know, I, I'm sure they like Jack Cohn. They named him the starter. Uh, they're going to be healthier than the last time they played Michigan, but I still think I think Michigan wins. I think I think the gap starts to look noticeable between the talent between Michigan and Wisconsin for really the first time in this series that they have going on. Yeah, I think it's it's beneficial for Michigan to get them on the road in September rather than in like November when I feel like they normally Absolutely. would. Not just because of playing in Madison, but just because it's I think Wisconsin's a team that's going to be a lot better later in the season than early on, and a lot of that does stem from replacing four offensive. Now, we know Wisconsin – you know, creates offensive linemen in a lab somewhere to recruit <laughs> and then excel. Yeah. But there's still that acclimation period for them and in, with a new quarterback. I, I just I think there's going to be too many question marks for them. They'll be relying way too much on Taylor. You know, Michigan will force them, as teams are going to all year, are going to force Wisconsin to throw the ball more than they've ever had to. You know, and uh, on mm-hmm. the flip side, I guess if you're a Wisconsin fan – Hornybrook didn't even win the starting job at Florida State after transferring there. So, you know, maybe maybe they feel like they have an upgrade at quarterback. I don't necessarily believe that, but um, looking at the other side of it, it'll be a good, a nice early season test for Michigan. I just think it's the, their first real break on the schedule to, you know, get them in, in September and not November on the road. So I'm going to pick Michigan by, yeah, a, yeah. I don't know, the I don't know what the line will be. Probably about whatever the line is. Probably about like ten or something like that. I've got ten. Yeah. I, I said ten. Okay. Uh, Rutgers pass. I mean, they're going to win by a lot. I don't even. 
I don't have any analysis to offer. Nope. I do, but I don't want to. No, it's fine. <laughs> Michigan will win. <laughs> yep. Iowa, uh, another another break. This is probably not a team Michigan wants to face on the road. I'm sure Michigan fans remember the last time Michigan played Iowa on the road. But no, they've got Nate Stanley. Uh, they've got AJ Epinesa. You know the the young. They've got a couple offensive linemen projected to be top fifty draft picks. Um, they return a lot of pieces. I just I think Michigan would have beaten Iowa last year, and I think Iowa isn't going to be quite as good this season. I mean, how many how many teams have ever had two two pass catchers? You know, you can count receivers and tight ends if you want. How many teams have had two pass catchers be top twenty draft picks in the same draft? I I think Stanley was built a little bit on how how good Noah Fant and T.J. Hawkinson were. I still think Stanley's good, but maybe once again, you know, I don't know. I don't know who's going to be their best pass catcher. Right? Do they, do they have an established established star? You know, who's who does Stanley go to when there's a little bit of pressure? So I think as long as Michigan is what we think they're going to be. I think that they win this game, but I think it could be closer. I think it, I think it could be similar to that Michigan Colorado game a few years back, maybe before the quarterback got hurt. Uh, I think it could be maybe like a, a, you know, ten, twelve point game, uh, maybe even less. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, I'll go eleven points to split the difference there. I do think they win. Something to keep an eye on though is Iowa is a top twenty team. Right. I, I think, and I was. You could basically shake a magic eight ball. It'll tell you what Iowa's going to do in any given year. I feel like they're one of always mm-hmm. every year one of the toughest teams in college football to really kind of figure out. I think it's going to be a good game, actually. I think this game is, you know, people talk about Army. I think Iowa's going to be, I think this is going to be a good game. Iowa's played Michigan well. I know we know about the game at Kinnick. Um, yep. There've been some blow. I think Michigan's had some blowouts in there, but by and large, Iowa usually plays Michigan pretty well. So I, I think this is going to be a pretty solid game. I still, again, you know, if we're picking Michigan to contend, they can't lose this game. They can't lose a game like this, right? So I just, I, I still think they're going to win. Uh, but this is a game where, again, we don't know what the lines are. Maybe there are lines already out for these games, but I would probably pick Iowa to cover. You know, whatever the line may be, I think this is a seven, a seven point. I think this is a one touchdown, you know, type hmm. game. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And Stanley is probably the one quarterback on the schedule that you know what you're going to get. I think he's thrown a, t- a touchdown in like all but two games as a starter. Uh, you know, he he produces, and it, it, even against what most would say are better teams. That said, Iowa, you you shake the magic eight ball. But only once have they not lost at least four games in the last decade. So in that sense, I think this is one of their losses on the road against a top ten team. So we both have Michigan five and zero. I think we're both going to have them go six and zero. That game at Champaign at Illinois, facing Brandon Peters and the Lovey Smiths, win by a lot. I don't think there's too much to discuss there. No, Illinois slowly but surely. Getting there, but I, yeah, I don't see it for them against Michigan this year. Thirty seventh in our team talent composite. I so, mean, they so they could the, starting to head toward bowl territory. Their transfer, 
they've been adding transfers like nobody's business and they added some pretty solid ones. So, I mean, it, they're kind of, they'll be interesting to see if they can kind of dig themselves out of the, uh, the cellar in the, in the West. But I think a lot of kind of feels like a lot of teams in the West are sort of trending up a little bit. You talk about Purdue, Nebraska, Minnesota, you know, his Illinois, you know, I don't know. I just, I've said my piece about Illinois a few times. I just, you got to give Lovey Smith like a significant amount of time to try to turn that program around. So if they have another rough, yeah, like a five-year plan, at least, yeah. I mean, it takes forever to turn, it takes like to turn around a program like that it takes forever. So uh, it won't be this year. It won't be that weekend. You know, Michigan wins comfortably, obviously, I think, and uh, moves on, moves on. Okay. At Penn State. Yeah, I made the prediction last week. I, I think this is where Michigan suffers a loss, and that is just because having seen the whiteout live and in person, you know, if Mich- if every if all these questions that we have about Michigan, interior pass rush, um, you know, passing game, new offense, if they're all answered with resounding yeses, I'll change my pick. And if Penn State, some of their questions are not answered with yeses, what's happening at quarterback? You know, how does the offense, what is the offensive identity? Then I'll change it. For now, I think, I think, I just have a hard time believing Michigan's going to go win at the whiteout, especially Penn State, just like Wisconsin and Michigan State. Uh, revenge is on the mind. You know, they're, they're on their own revenge tour because Michigan won all those, all those three games and they were not shy about it. And so, so I think they're, they're, they're ticked off. I think it's going to be a road game. Now, if they move it to noon, I might change my tune. Nice little rhyme there. But if it's going to be a night game or a 330 game that turns into a night game, I I think I I think I'm going with with Penn State. Um their defense is going to be really good. I know people say, "Well, there's no McSorley, there's no Barkley." Yeah, that's pretty valid. But their defense between Micah Parsons, Edor Grossmatos, some of the players they have in the secondary, uh some of the players I'm omitting on the defensive line that I looked up in June and forgot about now. <laughs> I think they're going to have a good defense. I think they're going to have a good team. And I have ne- yet in my reporting career have I seen an environment as crazy as Penn State's whiteout. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So I got them losing there. Steve, you got them surviving? I just the biggest thing for me is Don Brown's scheme against a, a first year quarterback. I just feel like is that's gonna it's mm. gonna be tough. I just Penn State is another team that's just always kind of a mystery to me. I mean, Michigan is outside of the Barkley game, which again, Barkley was a once in a generation type talent at a school like Penn State. Yep, that's fair. Michigan has absolutely obliterated Penn State in the other games that they've faced them. I mean, even the 28 to 16 game on the road, Michigan was in control of that game all the way throughout. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't know if they, I don't know. I, I would, I think I'm picking Michigan in that game right now. I, I think I, I get what you're saying about the whiteout. I also want to say, isn't Penn state 500 in the whiteout games under James Franklin? I think there's some stat that they've, you know, they've, their losses have been close, but that I think that they're only like 500 in those games under Franklin. So, 
Uh, I don't know, man. A four-loss Penn State team almost beat Ohio State last year on the way. I out. get it. No, I'm not. I'm just saying. I yeah. think that they've. It's not the automatic W that I think maybe a lot of people believe it is. Because I, I, you're not the only person to say that it's the craziest environment that they've ever been in. I mean, I, I think I'd argue it's a top three or four, maybe in all of sports. I mean, it's that cra- It the atmosphere, the way it's been described there, is insane, and that definitely plays some kind of role. But I, I just. First year quarterback. I think again. I think this is these are those types of games that if you're going to win the conference, you go in and you win a game like this. In my opinion, yep. I mean that's yep. that. This is kind of that game, in my opinion. You know, it's different than going to Wisconsin. You know, it's it's a little bit different there. I think there's more of a like you said, not a rivalry, but maybe a little bit between these two teams. I just this is where you this is where having four returning offensive line starters and a quarterback that most believe is the best in the conference this is where you those guys win that game for you so I just think that yeah they aren't sending John O'Corn in 2017 offensive lineup right that's a good point. right so I think the yeah. difference the difference between the two teams at quarterback I just think is is what'll make the difference I think Don Brown does his thing you know because again Don Brown is has eaten Penn State's lunch outside of that game where it was the Barkley show, you know? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. and they were how close to a shutout last year, you know? And that's uh, with a team that ended up Penn state team that ended up being pretty solid. So I don't know. That's a, that's, I'm going to pick Michigan. Kind of a lot of different variables. Cause you, you mentioned they were close to a shutout, but McSorley was clearly, I mean, that was almost Lewerke esque, you know, when Lewerke played Michigan, I mean, they were both so hobbled and hurt and, and I think they were just lost offensively. So anyway, we can go back and forth on that closer to then. Curious to see what Penn State looks like. This is uh, not I – I doubt James Franklin's seat is warm or anything, but this is kind of a make-or-break year to show that he wasn't just hiring good offensive coordinators and recruiting good running backs from New Jersey. I mean, they, they do have a lot of top recruiting classes. They do have some good coaches. We'll see what they look like. Next one, Notre Dame at home the next week. If I'm pre- I'm pre- I'm predicting them to go one and one in this stretch, I think. Um, I still want to see what Notre Dame looks like. I think, I think they fell in our team talent composite from tenth to thirteenth, so maybe not quite as talented. But at the same time, if they have Ian Book, that is a wrinkle that Michigan did not see last season. It also is in Ann Arbor. It also is almost a sure shot to be a night game. Ward Manuel has basically said as much, and. And I do think Michigan is hungry to beat Notre Dame. I think they realize now it is a non-conference game, so you do wonder how much, if Michigan's undefeated at this point, how much did, do they change anything or do they understand that maybe they don't necessarily need the game? Anyway, I think they beat Notre Dame. I think that they probably beat Notre Dame if they don't play them in the first game on the road last season. And I think that they... They bounce back from their loss to Penn State, and they beat the Fighting Irish. I feel like I'm getting to the point now where if I don't pick them to lose, that I think I'm going to pick them to win all of their regular season games. Um, well, game by game, that can happen. Right, I know, and that's right? kind of what I'm thinking. Is it's almost you almost rationalize yourself into picking them to win every game. I I think Ian Book's really really good, actually. Like I think it's in a weird way. Like it's it's funny that Michigan actually lost to Notre Dame last year and they didn't didn't face him, and then he basically ended up being the guy that led them to the playoffs. It's kind of a weird. It was really like Brandon Wimbush's only huge impact game 
at Notre Dame was against Michigan last year. So this is a tough one. I think Notre Dame's better. I think Notre Dame is – I know they lost some guys, but I think they're going to be better than people kind of realize. Um, I'm going to – I think I'm going to pick the Irish in the upset in this one. I'm going to go with Notre Dame. Okay. I think they have a quarterback that will give Michigan's defensive secondary some issues. It'll be their – you know, Chase Claypool I think is going to be – a monster on the outside. Now I know actually they just lost one of their receivers for the season today, Kevin Austin, but he was a reserve. Uh, Cole Komet, yeah, is a guy I think is going to contend to be the, for the Mackey Award. I mean they got they have weapons. Jafar Armstrong was great last year for them, uh, running the ball and and was really good against Michigan. As I, I want to say, he was a true freshman or a redshirt freshman. It was his first real game play. So I think they have weapons. They're always good up front on the offensive line. I think that's the other thing. So I think I think Notre Dame presents kind of a unique matchup for Michigan again. I'm I'm going to pick the Irish in the upset at home. Okay, okay. At Maryland, Maryland's talented. I think they have a better coach than they've had in recent years. Mike Loxley, uh, m- most best known for being the sole controller of Alabama's offense, if you ask him. Uh, but no, he's seems like that's a good hire. Josh Jackson seems like an upgraded quarterback. You know, the talent that DJ Durkin was recruiting is entering that junior senior stage. Still, I think Michigan wins. You know, I know I know the Terrapins, I think it's their homecoming game. I think they're trying to make it a throwback jersey kind of game. They're trying to make it a big deal, but because of its proximity to the DC area, that is such a convenient road game for Michigan, because they're always gonna have, you know, a few thousand fans there. Uh yeah, I think I think Michigan wins. Maybe not by 20-plus, but certainly by 10-plus. Mike Loxley was 2-26 and 26 at New Mexico State. I just, I don't know. I think that's going to be a real interesting hire. I, I know he was definitely part of the cog that spun the wheel at Alabama, but I just, I don't know. I, Michigan wins this one pretty comfortably as well. Maryland's got some guys, though. I mean, they definitely have some talent. Anthony McFarland has turned into a dude. I mean, he had like 400 yards rushing against Ohio State last year. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember who they're starting at quarterback. I just because I know Kasim Hill left. Is that Pegram, Pegram again going to be the starter? Or um, haven't really looked that far down the road yet. But at at where quarterback? Yeah, do they have a established starter? Josh Jackson, the Virginia oh wait, did Tech you guy. just say that? Sorry, I wasn't paying that much attention. So yeah, um, that's all right. That's that's an upgrade then. I'd say. But either way, Maryland's got Maryland's one of those teams I feel like like they have you can kind of see the puzzle forming, but they're still missing some significant pieces, you know. So I just I think they're a team that isn't quite putting it together yet. I think Michigan wins comfortably. Yeah. All right, Michigan State. They do get a bye week before Michigan State. I think that's integral. I think that's that's a key. Taking on the Spartans. Spartans will be hungry for revenge. This is right where D'Antonio wants them, you know, being slept on, but maybe good enough to disprove it. And and they're playing Michigan on at, at Michigan Stadium. He has a lot of wins there. He's not afraid of the road game. They do have an experienced team. I still think Michigan wins. That offense, I don't I until until they you know, they'll have proven it by this point in the season. I just I do not believe that the offense is going to be better. It'll be healthier, but you know they lose. They lose Felton. They have 
you know, Brian Lewerke, I don't know what he's going to be. Is he going to be sophomore Brian Lewerke? Probably not junior Brian Lewerke, probably somewhere in between, but what does that look like? I, I'm picking the Wolverines at home. I do think it'll be a close game. I could see it being a one-possession game. It seems like that's D'Antonio's trademark is um, you know, kind of, kind of like a service academy almost. You're never going to blow them out with Ohio State's had a couple exceptions, but um, it seems like they're in all these games. But I do think Michigan survives at home. Yeah, I, that's just, this is always one of the toughest games to pick every year because you know Michigan's going to get the kitchen sink. Um, this is the game where credit to D'Antonio, I just that the talent discrepancy doesn't seem to matter as much in this game as it does for most other games. You know, because I, I think there's no doubt, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, Michigan's so much more talented offensively than Michigan State mm-hmm. is. You know, at this point, I think they've created a real gap in that regard. And I like Michigan State's front seven, although I don't really know. You know, Bocce's a, an excellent linebacker, probably all Big Ten type guy, maybe probably first team all Big Ten. But I don't really know who else they have at linebacker that, you know, really, really stands out. I mean, Willikus is Willikus. Uh, props to him for kind of turning himself into a player. Uh, Raquan Williams is excellent as well. I mean, he's one of the better interior linemen in the country. You know, so they have pieces defensively. They're going to be a great unit up there again. They always are. But, yeah, I mean, it does. It comes down to what they're like offensively. And I just – they'll be better statistically, but you're talking about having to take a massive leap, in my opinion, to warrant conference championship type talk. Not to mention their schedule is very – they're at Ohio State, at Wisconsin, at Michigan, at Northwestern, who has always – you know, they're kind of that – team you know every I think every team has a team in the conference that always gives them like real problems is and Northwestern always seems to play Michigan State really well yeah um, yeah so I got it I'm gonna pick Michigan in that one you know on the flip side we talk about how close this game always is you know it's it's amazing how close Michigan is to being 4-0 under Harbaugh against Michigan State I mean you're talking about yep. a dropped pass and one of the flukiest plays in history Michigan is is being from being you know four and zero against Michigan State. So Michigan has definitely come to play in against Michigan State as well. It's not that you know that always kind of been the the storyline is that you know Michigan State always brings their best game or whatever. Michigan's played some really good football games against Michigan State too. You know, I mean, even go mm-hmm. back to last year. You go back, you watch that game last year. You could argue Michigan should have been up like thirty five to. You know, they, they missed a lot of opportunities to put more points on the board. So, you yeah, know, mi- that's how it goes. Right. Yeah. Well, but that was against what was a top. They ended up, they ended the season as one of the top overall defensive units in the country. So, you know, Michigan, they can move the ball on this, on this team. I feel like, you know, you get them at home, you get them in a scheme where you talked about Ohio state being the one team that's blown them out. That's why uh, Michigan or Ohio state spread them out and had better athletes. And I think Michigan can do something similar. So, Always an interesting game. Always one of the best weekends of the year. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Michigan at home. I think they they get it done. You know I think I think the taste of you know that because that's the thing the road team has won all four of those games and I think Michigan there's yeah. a there's a bitter taste about you know wanting to beat them at home and and you know send everybody home including themselves happy. So you know I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Michigan. Well, and I really think. I, this is my hypothesis. I haven't surveyed. I don't actually know. I think Michigan players might hate Michigan State more than Ohio State at this point. You know, just the 
the smack talk between the two schools, the fact that it is a little bit closer of a rivalry probably doesn't hurt. Um, you know, some of the in-state ties. Rashawn Gary said it last year. He said, you know, and Devin Bush said it too. He said, you know, they hate they hate the scarlet color, but they hate 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 Michigan State green. So I think I think they're still out for blood a little bit. Um, I do think one thing that helps Michigan is that they are not going to be as run dependent. Michigan State every time they play Michigan, they put like nine in the box half of the snaps, and Michigan just never found another answer. I think they started to last year, but. I think that helps them. Anyway, moving on. At Indiana, both games in the Harbaugh era that have been at Indiana have gone to overtime. I don't think this one does. I think Indiana is heading in the wrong direction. You know, Nick Westbrook is is solid. Um, uh, the Stevie Scott, the running back, is pretty good. Peyton Ramsey, solid. I just, I don't know. I think this is, it's got trap game written all over it because it's on the road against a team that plays hard stuck between Michigan State and Ohio State. I don't know how Indiana keeps getting to play Michigan right before they play Ohio State, but they do. Um, I just I think Michigan, at this point, they're going to be such a refined machine. I don't think they're going to have as many holes as they have the past couple of years. I think this is a year where they, they kind of put that Indiana always giving them problems story to, to bed. Uh, I, think, I think they win mm, by like 14. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think this is kind of the year where the, oh, Indiana is always a trap game, even though I picked Indiana as a trap game like two or three months ago just because it is in between Michigan State and Ohio State. Right, right. Um, I do think that they kind of put that to rest a little bit this year. Yeah, I mean, Indiana, to their credit, yeah, I don't know. You talk about Iowa or uh, Northwestern always giving Michigan State problems. Indiana is like that for Michigan, except they haven't quite been able to put it over the top and win one. It just seems like no matter what's going on between these two teams, it, it always ends up as a good game. Even the snow game uh, at Michigan Stadium, you know, was a close, was a relatively close game. And I'd argue last ten points. I'd argue yeah. last year. I know Michigan ended up winning comfortably, but I think you know you look back at the film last year, and, and Indiana exposed a lot of the weaknesses that would end up costing Michigan against Ohio State, particularly in the pass rush. So, you know, I think it's. Uh, but I do. I think they put that. To rest this year, I think they win that game. So, last one against Ohio State. I don't know. <laughs> they get them at home. They haven't been a good team when they faced them at home in a while. Uh, in 2015, was that one? That was kind of a weird game. Uh, based on both of our predictions, both teams are going to be. Well, I don't know what you have for Ohio State, but Michigan will be 10 and one with a Big Ten title on the line or division title on the line. Ohio State's got a new quarterback in Justin Fields. They have a new head coach in Ryan Day. But when it comes to my prediction, I'm going to stick with Ohio State for now. I'm going to stick with the Buckeyes. They have nine more five-star players, and they have um, 12 more four-star players. So you're talking about 21, like an entire field's worth of four- and five-star players more than Michigan has. That doesn't necessarily guarantee success. Look at USC. But it does, to me, I think I think it just shows that there's still a little bit of a gap. Michigan's closed it considerably, but there's still just a little bit of a talent difference. People say, talk about Ohio State's defense, but they retooled. They got new coordinators. They got new, um, 
you know, new schemes, new systems. How is that any different than Michigan's offense? If you're believing in Michigan's offense because of all the changes they made, do you not believe in Michigan, Ohio State's defensive changes, including the fact they hired two guys from Michigan staff? Does that not help them in in the game? So, you know, this is much closer. I think last year I said I I was like almost adamant Ohio State was going to beat Michigan until the game the week of the game. This year I'm not quite as adamant. I'm not certain. I don't feel as confident in the pick, but I, I think I'm still picking the Buckeyes to win. I'm picking Michigan. There are a few reasons why, at least as Ooh. as things stand preseason wise. I don't think it is it that is it really that ridiculous to pick Michigan. I, I don't really think it is. Well, one in fourteen suggests it would be I, you, you, anomalous. You can't but. pick games based on. I don't think history dictates. I know, you know, I know. Oh, notice I didn't reference the history. Right. I'm just saying, yeah. So my, re- I think my reasoning is pretty sound here. And again, this is a preseason prediction. Once we get to November, a lot of this stuff may change. But as things stand now, we, yes, he's hyped. But we don't know anything about what Justin Fields is going to, how he's going to run this offense, what, you know, what he's going to add, what they're going to lack compared to last year with Dwayne Haskins. You know, we don't know anything anything I think more than any player in the country I think he's the most I'd say pivotal player in the entire country as far as their that their chances rest solely on how he performs and we don't know anything you know we well we do know one thing is that he was not going to beat Jake Fromm out we do know that I mean that's the one thing we can take away um, and that he transferred to Ohio State he won that job not surprisingly uh, you know with two other guys transferring out but you know, there's that. The other thing too that I keep going back to is there may have never been a better big game coach than Urban Meyer. I think history shows that he consistently would win the biggest games on his team's schedule every year. I think that was kind of one of his calling cards. Is that you know at Ohio State and at Florida they were his record against top ten teams is insane. I think it's I do think percentage wise it's the best if not next to Saban, probably, if anything. But I think that stuff matters uh, when you talk about culture and just that's not a coincidence. You know, and I know they're really talented, but I I think in a way, I think some people are kind of not dinging them enough this season for losing him as far as how they're projecting this season to go. Now, I know Ryan Day called an, an amazing game last year against Michigan in particular, but being the head coach, the head of a program is way more than just calling plays now. I mean, this is this is a whole different deal. Mm-hmm. So again, this is preseason. That's what that's kind of what I'm going off of there. I think the other thing too, I think, you know, you look at what happened in 2018 where a an Ohio State team that was worlds more talented than Michigan, really Michigan had multiple opportunities to win that game with maybe their worst roster under Harbaugh. Or 2017, sorry. I'm, I'm thinking of the, the game at home where they were up 14 mm-hmm. to zip. I think last year, my sense, and I i don't know, but my sense is that Michigan came into last year's game not overconfident necessarily, but maybe a little bit. I don't. That's never going to happen again. You know, I think the approach for this game is, is different. I think last year, 
if it's if there's ever going to be a turning point in the series for Michigan, I think it's going to be last year because I think they thought they were going to win that game and then they got absolutely shellacked. I think the taste in their mouth is going to be a little bit different than it's been in the years past uh, coming out of that game. So, you know, I think I think you see guys seeing their former coaches going over to coach for Ohio State. I just think there's a, a more bitter taste in their mouth. You know, I know there's going to be people out there, maybe rightfully so, they are going to say, well, it should always be a bitter taste when it comes to Ohio State. But you're talking about guys like Hudson, Metellus have been there. You know, Metellus drops an interception in that game in 17. Could have, could have completely changed the complaint. You know, guys that have been through it and are kind of tired of it. I think the mentality is going to be a little bit different. So I think you kind of add all that stuff up. Plus, again, they get them at home. Uh, I, do, I do think that makes a difference in the end. Uh, and I'm, I'm picking Michigan to win that game as things stand now. Okay. Well, there you go. I, I mean, you have good reasons, and, and I see it all. I just I, – I don't know how much of well, – It's fair to err on the, the side of caution. I get it. I mean, because Fields yeah. could come out of the gates and, and be awesome, and that's the thing. That's why I say I think he's so important, not just to how the game against Michigan goes, but just for, for the season in general. You know, he yeah. – he, yeah. may be a stud and may light the world on fire, but we don't know anything about what he's going to offer in a big game basis. He's not played one big snap in his career. You know, when people are picking them to go to the playoffs, I mean, with a brand new head coach and a quarterback who's, you know, a first year starter, really first year player, pretty much. I mean, he got some snaps for Georgia last year, but not much. Uh, Nobody, nothing against anybody right, relevant. You know, I think I think where it comes down to is they saw Lincoln Riley true. and and Baker do true. it right, and so that that makes people believe if if it's the right fit and the talent is there, they can do it. But at the same time, Michigan's got something rolling. You know, it's not like there's some podunk. This isn't Michigan in 2014 or 20, 2017. You know, this is a lining up to be a pretty good Michigan team. Right. Anyway, lightning round. I don't think there's any. Too much need to elaborate. We're just going to go conference by conference, who's playing and who's winning in the title game. Uh, we can start with the Big Ten. I've got Ohio State over Iowa. Sounds like you've got to have Michigan in that in that title game. You got them winning the whole thing? Yeah, Michigan over – I am. I know a lot of people are – they went from kind of being over or underrated to maybe overrated a little bit, but I'm, I'm actually going to go in Nebraska just because I think Martinez is that okay. good. So I'm going to go with Michigan over Nebraska, the Big Ten championship game. Top twenty in our team talent composite, so not a not a bad pick to go with. SEC, uh, probably maybe the easier one with the two divisions. I have Alabama over Georgia. I really am tempted to take Georgia over Alabama, though. I think the talent, you know, they had that number one recruiting class that I think they're now juniors. A um, lot of talent there. Jake Fromm is, is no slouch. I just I'm gonna stick with Alabama until they give me a reason to not stick with Alabama. I am taking Georgia over Alabama. I think Georgia's okay. offensive line might be the best in the country. I really, I, I really so. like DeAndre Swift as well as a complimentary weapon. And then uh, Georgia's always going to have athletes on defense. I think they do enough. I think they beat Alabama. Okay, okay. Uh, ACC, you might have to look up the divisions, but Atlantic versus Coastal, I have Clemson winning their division. And then... Maybe it's because I lived with a UVA grad. I'm picking Virginia all, too. All, all year. Yeah, I got UVA, Brocko Mendenhall. Um, I can't remember who their quarterback is, but he's a he's a JUCO guy. He's he brings a lot to the table, kind of that dual threat type. That I don't I don't know if the ECC is totally ready for it. And they've got a there's a lot of new coaches in that division. 
and you know, I mean, UNC, Louisville. I think Pitt seems like they're kind of on the way out. Um, you know, Virginia Tech just lost their quarterback. Maybe they have someone else to replace him. I don't know. Uh, you know, some other teams: Syracuse, Miami, Florida State are all intriguing options. But I've got I've got Clemson over UVA. Oh. Florida State's not – they're in the same division as Clemson, I think, so they're not really intriguing. I mean – Well, I think a couple of those teams are. I'm just right, saying other teams right. that – yeah. Clemson over – It's a soft – yeah, no, soft conference. It is, big time. That's – you know, Clemson <laughs> is going to get – Clemson is going to get in the play – they could lose a game and still get in the playoffs even though the ACC really, in my opinion, got to be the weakest top to bottom of any of the Power Fives this year, don't you think? Maybe. I mean, I'm, let's move on to the Pac-12 and find out <laughs> – Top to bottom, though. Yeah, the other – yeah. Mm. Well, they have a top. They have a better top than the Pac-12 well, has. Well, technically. I mean, I mean, you're talking about the top one, but, I mean, who's the who's the second-best team in the ACC? Yeah, I, Miami, I, I, UV, you know, UVA. I don't, I don't know. Pac-12, at least, I, you know, because I think Washington's a, an elite, a, elite-ish program at this point. I do think – you know, I, you know how I always say about USC, but I do think that they're going to bounce back a little bit. Like they're not going to go, they're not going to be what they were last year. I think five and seven. Oregon's yeah. on the rise. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Oregon's a trendy pick. Right. I think I have for my Pac-12 title game. I have Washington over Utah. I think it's. I think that actually was the matchup last year too. But I think Utah's crack, crinking into that top fifteen. Washington, Jacob Eason, I don't think that they're going to see too much of a drop-off. As you said, they are recruiting and developing at a, at a pretty solid level. Still don't think any either of them are getting in the playoff. Yeah, I'm going going Washington. I'm the same as you. I'm going Washington and Utah. With I think I did I would watch out for Arizona State too. I know they have a true so they have mm. a true freshman at quarterback who has been lighting the world on fire in Jaden Daniels. Uh, you know, they're a team in the next few years, I think Herm Edwards, like I did not crap on the Herm Edwards hire like a lot of other people did because I had a hunch that they would recruit all right again under him because he is a pretty magnetic personality, you know, and they did. They, I want to say signing day 2018, they moved up like 50 spots and if they signed like the second or third best class in the Pac-12 in 18, I can't remember how they did in 19, but I do know they finished pretty strong. Uh, I'd watch for them. If not this year, then I definitely think next year. Because I do think they found somebody at quarterback that's gonna that can take them there, but I'm gonna stick. With, I gotta stick with Washington, even with a new guy, a new starter under quarter uh, under center, and then yeah, Utah has been kind of a hot pick. You know, I would watch the other team. I'd watch in the North is Washington State actually. So I think that they'll be all right this year too. Um, but I'm going Washington mm-hmm. over Utah as well. Arizona State's 2019 class was 30th. Their 2018 class was 37th. But as you said. Some of it's how you finish and how you do compared to how you were expected to right. do. Big 12, uh, just one and two. I'm going to go Oklahoma, Texas. I wanted to do Iowa State. It seems like they, they could be in that in that mix. TCU, I guess, is never totally out of it. I think they were a young team last year. You know, West Virginia, seems like with their transfer situation, they've always got something brewing. Uh, but they also lost their coach. And so I think it's, I think it's Texas, Oklahoma. Another quietly easy conference to get through. I feel like, I feel like maybe in the college football playoff era, you're starting to see, t- you know, really really good teams at the top, and then a lot of schools that aren't all that close. 
but yeah, I've got I've got Oklahoma. I'll say Oklahoma over Texas again. I'm gonna I am gonna go with Iowa State actually. With oh, hmm. I'm, I'm picking Oklahoma to win the conference, but I think Iowa State will sure. be the other team there. I think Texas, much like Florida, is picking up a lot of steam off of the hey, we beat a totally checked out team in a bowl game. <laughs> so they're going to be really good next year type deal. Because again, like much like Michigan, I think Georgia, after losing you know, the SEC title game the way they did and getting left out of the playoffs, I think they were completely checked out of that game. Sorry if there are any Texas fans out there. Uh, but just that's the way I feel about it. So, And I like Matt Campbell a lot. I think he's the next big name. You know, whether it's USC, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, whoever opens up next. Uh, I don't know why I said Notre Dame, but you know you know what I mean? Like if, if those huge jobs, any of them open up, I think Matt Campbell's the guy that'll be looked at, you know, to replace them. So you know, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Cyclones. I think they got a good quarterback in Brock Purdy. And they'll have a hard time re- replacing Hakeem Butler, who I thought was awesome last year. He was a lot of fun to watch. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with Iowa state, Oklahoma, but I'm still picking Oklahoma to win the conference. Okay. Heisman few candidates from, I guess maybe Jalen hurts, you know, Justin Fields, maybe Trevor Lawrence, Jonathan Taylor, actually a good amount of returning known candidates. Does Shea Patterson make the mix as Adrian Martinez crack the list? I think it's gotta be Tua though. I, I I still kind of feel like Tua could have had a pretty good case last year, and I think I think they make sure that he wins. I think Alabama just schemes and says, "Hey, let's let's make sure you have the numbers to win this year." Uh, any who are you who are you picking for the Heisman? I'm picking Trevor Lawrence all the way. Okay, he didn't have like monster. I mean, he, had, he was efficient. He didn't have monster numbers last year. He's though. got receivers up the wazoo to throw the ball to this year. I think I think their offense is going to be awesome. And I just think he's I just think he's the better quarterback. You know, it just it just depends. Mm. Here's the thing though. In the ACC, Clemson's going to be blowing teams out so badly that either they'll leave him in to pop his, to bump his stats up or he'll be out of the game by the third quarter and his statistics won't be that right. great. I mean, that's where the kind of the flip side. It's like it's hard to know. But I, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take Lawrence. I just think they have too many weapons now offensively. They they're quietly, and I say it quiet as they're defending national champions. But their receiver room is amazing. I mean, they have so many good receivers on that roster that he's gonna have plenty of guys to throw the ball around to. So uh, I'm going with Trevor Lawrence. Okay, he only threw for 219 yards per game last year. Yeah, but I mean they just it when out you're be- when you're beating teams by 40 and 50 every week. You know, it's it's just I don't know. It's the, like we just got done talking about how crappy mm-hmm. the ACC is. You know, maybe right. they leave it <laughs> if they leave him in longer and let him throw the ball around to to bump up his stats. I think he'll be the guy. Okay, fair enough. All right, your college football playoff four teams. We don't have to do seeding. That's that's just that's too much thinking. Uh, I have Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then I'm gonna throw. I'm going to throw Georgia in there. I think those are my four. I know I'm sure our listeners don't really want to hear about two SEC teams in it again, but uh, I think I think Alabama and Clemson are going to win their, win their conferences, have no fewer than one loss, or no more than one loss, probably zero. Ohio State, I think, will be in a similar boat. 
And then I think I think Georgia is going to be in that one loss situation where their only loss was to the one seed. How do you hold them out over an Oklahoma team that I'm predicting to maybe not be quite as good as this past season? Who are your four? Replace Ohio State with Michigan. I feel the same way about the Big Twelve. So, but I do think you're going to see situation. Like I just, I think the more we do this, the more there's the cry for expansion is going to continue because. You know, uh, you're setting it up to a situation where if Georgia and Bama play each other in the SEC title game and they're undefeated, they're still going to pick that the loser of that game over like an, you could say, pick them over an yeah. undefeated Pac 12, an undefeated, yep. you know, uh, the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten's missed out the last couple of years themselves. I don't think they'd pick over an undefeated Big Ten, but mm-hmm. it's. Or a one-loss Big Ten that didn't get blown out by right, a you know, like so, say so Michigan team. was to lose yeah. like a nail biter to Notre Dame. You know, they're gonna pick. They're gonna even. You know, they're gonna pick the SEC loser over that that Big Ten team, even if it was a. Mm. You know, you think I, so? I'm 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 convinced, man. I mean, they because the only time Ohio, the only time the Big Ten didn't get picked was when Ohio State lost by four touchdowns or more to Iowa, Iowa and Purdue. Right. Those were like blowout, ugly, ugly losses. We'll see. I don't know. I just I feel like it's setting up to the point though where it is. It's going to be the it's Clemson. We I mean, can we almost pencil Clemson in? Right. I mean, is there anybody on yeah. their schedule that's yeah, even challenging so. them? You know. So you got Clemson. Yeah. You know the SEC winner is in no matter what, unless barring some crazy thing where each team has two losses or something. So you have them in. And I just feel like Georgia's schedule is not difficult again. They do play in order. Oh, they do have to play in yeah, order. They get them at yeah, home but... this year, though. I mean, they beat them on the road mm-hmm. last year. You know, and then the I just it just seems like the way it's all setting up. I mean, I think you're going to see more and yeah. more of a cry <laughs> from those other conferences, and rightfully so. And even and Notre Dame, who I think you know, I know they got in last year, but mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just I think there's a case to expand it a little bit, and I think you're going to keep hearing that. So. But I'm going to go Michigan, yep. uh, Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. And I think, yeah, I think Alabama and Clemson meet again. I mean, it's just hard not to see that being the, the case. So, Okay, I was just going to ask. National title was our last prediction. I don't know who I'd pick to win. Uh, yeah. I'm, those are the two teams that will be in it, though, I think. I'm going to predict Clemson over, well, since I have, I have, oh, they won't do a rematch, though. Uh, all right, I'm going to say Clemson is the national title. I'll say over Alabama, I kind of wanted to somehow find a way to get Georgia in there, but I don't, I don't think it happens. Uh, so I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Clemson over Alabama for 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 the second straight year. Anyway, that those are our predictions. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I uh, had a little bit of Michigan, a little bit of the schedule, a little bit of the national landscape. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. Lots of pre season coverage and of course once the season gets going we just crank it up another notch more we write a lot more than we podcast so be sure to read all about it this has been the wolverine 24 7 podcast hope you had fun hope you learned something we'll see you next time